1: Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to Kramer. Other people want to make friends? I'm just trying to make you some money. My job is not to entertain you, but to educate and teach you. So call me at 1-800-743-CBC or tweet me at Jim Kramer. When will people understand that FANG, my acronym for Facebook, Amazon, Netflix, and Google, and Alphabet, is about a whole lot more than four remarkable companies? On a real fine day for the bulls, where the Dow gained 214 points, S&P surged 1.07%, and NASDAQ pole vaulted 1.74%. House of pleasure. I want to explain why I'm always talking about these FANG stocks. It's not just because they're huge, important companies. No, it's because these companies embody major long term changes in the way we think, the way we do things, the way the global economy operates, and more important, how it will operate in the future. That's why I find these endless articles about the death of FANG. Or the D-Fang-Fang, because fang, people want to be clever. So unbelievably silly. I am in a... The house of pain. ...when I listen to these people. Look, fang does drive a lot of people crazy. Today's epic 9% run Netflix after the company reported some preposterously fantastic sign-ups. Is the kind of thing that makes you want to tear your hair out, if you have any, or if you're trying to value the stock on traditional metrics. Netflix can thump its chest at spending $8 billion in new content. With a forecast of negative three to four billion in free cash flow this year, along with a proclamation of negative free cash flow for several more years as our original content spend grows rapidly. And the stock still roars higher. What an insult to the Graham and Dodd value investors out there. That's a book that tells you that you got to try to buy in a stock uh, for a dollar, you try to buy it for 50 cents. That's not Netflix. Now, management can brag about the need to outspend anyone as it develops worldwide programming for its 125 million paid subscribers. It can spend a huge percentage of its conference call just talking about all the titles and how it's such a bummer not to be able to qualify for the Cannes Film Festival because it's not a traditional movie company, but to the buyers, it doesn't matter. The simple fact is that the world loves Netflix. We're beginning to believe that it could easily reach 300 million subscribers someday, and they'll be willing to pay a heck of a lot more for the service. Why? Because it is such a bargain and the content's so fab. That's why Netflix is the best-performing stock in 2018 up for the S&P 500. Do you know it's up 75% for the year? That's why it has a $145 billion market cap, very close to Disney, and more than seven times the size of CBS. That's why Netflix is the most powerful force in the entertainment world today. But here's what people miss. The meat of this story, at least in Cray Market, is not just about Netflix. It's about rapid cloud adoption. Remember the whole premise of Netflix is that they get all your all you all sorts of content via the internet like Amazon. You know how they do it for the vast majority of its products and well uh, product Netflix uses a part of Amazon's business called Amazon Web Services. And that's why Amazon vaulted more than 4% today. Well, that and also because the president seems to be preoccupied with other things and didn't uh, just tweet about the post office. Now, I think we tend to think of Amazon as a retailer. I know you do. I used to. Everyone's focused on the Supreme Court case, argued today about whether or not they need to collect sales tax in every state, even as a company already... collect sales tax in every state. This case is merely about whether third parties who sell via Amazon or anyone else might need to collect sales tax, to which I say, big deal, sideshow. The future of Amazon is all about the company's web services business, which is the best in the world. And again, Amazon Web Services handles most of Netflix's, uh, Netflix's cloud business, although they've also started using a competing service from Google. So what's good for Netflix is good for Amazon and for Google aka Alphabet, with the latter gaining more than 3% today. So while there are ETFs that foolishly bind these stocks together, in this particular case, it's just plain good news for three-quarters of Fang. Now, Facebook is another story. There's no reason that stock should be going up on, on anything Netflix did, and I think its 2% rally today was probably because of Fang ETFs that link it together. The fact is, though, the Wall Street Journal ran a front-page story about how money managers are thinking about dropping the F from Fang in their portfolios because Facebook has so many problems. You know, this may be wrong. Facebook may have more headline risk, but its its numbers, I think they're actually going to be fine, barring, eno- barring another, this is really important, another Cambridge Analytica. Do you know in my myriad talks with consumer packaged goods CEOs over the last few weeks, and I talked to a lot of them, I'd say they're actually more resistant to placing ads on YouTube because of the potential for salacious or hate-filled content nearby, even after the Cambridge Analytical blow-up. They'd still rather advertise on Facebook. Pretty telling, right? Oh, and while we're at it, I think the rekindling of the social media love fest also helped propel Twitter up 11%. It was basically a very ho-hum upgrade from Morgan Stanley. I read it a couple of times, like, Really? But let's talk about the bigger picture, because the pin action, the pin action from this Netflix quarter, well, let's just say it was extraordinary and extends well beyond fact. When Netflix grows subscribers faster than anyone expected, it's highly likely that estimates for all of our cloud kings that we talk about are going to be higher. I'm talking about Adobe, Red Hat, Salesforce, ServiceNow, Splunk, VMware, and Workday. The more everyone gets familiar with the cloud for ordering from Amazon or watching programs on Netflix, the more comfortable they are using the cloud at work. No wonder all the cloud plays roared higher today. That's the software side. How about hardware? Who benefits uh, as we build more data centers? Well, how about Intel? How about AMD? And perhaps best of all, the bedraggled Nvidia, which is constantly linked to the cryptocurrencies. Uh, particularly Ethereum, even as this cloud business is far more important. And by the way, if you're buying it for Ethereum, may I suggest? Sell, sell, sell. Now, Apple also rallied today. Was that connected to Netflix? I think only on a real tangential basis. It's a way to watch programming on your handheld or your tablet. Makes sense, but it's far more likely that Apple's just going up because the objections to owning its stock seem to have diminished, and Apple's service revenue stream, like that of Netflix, like that of Amazon, is likely to be growing faster than we think. But now let's put this all in perspective. What do we have in fact? How about four companies that are unaffected by the trade war with China? For the most part, they do no business in the PRC, either by choice or by government fiat. In fact, one of the funnier parts of the Netflix conference call was an answer to a question about how the Chinese market is ripe for more Netflix. CEO Reed Hastings dismissed the speculation by simply saying that they have a licensing relationship, the opposite of the other kinds of far more lucrative country-specific deals that Netflix does. And you know what? He says that's fine with him. In fact, you know, he did spend more time talking about that Cannes Film Festival uh, issue uh, than, I was going to call it an imbroglio, but it really isn't. Uh, And then he talked about China. What other CEO would actually brush off a question about the importance of the largest market in the world and spend so much significant time on the conference call, explaining how, and I quote, the festival adopted a new rule that means if a film is in competition, it can. It cannot be watched on Netflix in France for the following three years. We would never do that to our French members. Huh? I mean, let's hope no one tells the president last thing we need is a trade war with France, even as they can be very sneaky with this stuff. Look, here's the bottom line. In a market that can't get comfortable with the drug stocks, J&J took a hit on a pretty good quarter. Or the banks, Goldman Sachs got smacked around on a terrific number. The cloud stocks soared today on the back of Netflix. And all I can say is the smallest stock in Fang. Has got some real broad shoulders. I need to go to Gregory in California, please. Gregory! Yeah, hi, a big booyah to you, uh, Jim. Um, big fan of yours and a recent Thank uh, you. Uh, new member of the Action uh, Alerts Plus Club. Uh, I'm calling today about. Uh, Southwest Airlines, and first and foremost, my heart uh, goes out to yeah. anyone that was affected by today's tragedy, uh, especially the family of the, of the one, hopefully just the one fatality. But I bought them uh, back in, um, in January, right before they, uh, they, the, the last earnings uh, um, period, which uh, were good. I mean, they beat the street by a penny, and uh, I bought them sort of with your blessings. I know you, you, you like that company, uh, too. I'm a big fan of theirs. I fly them all the time. So I bought them at 62 and change, and I've just watched them go down and down and down and down. And now, you know, this couldn't have come at a worse time. They're about to report earnings again. We were hoping, I was hoping to get a bit of a bump. I've, I've got quite a lot of it. So I, I'm just asking, I guess, should I average, should I buy more at this point? Is this a buying opportunity? Well, you know what? I, I, first, I mean, th- this was a tragedy that, that I, I always look at these things and say, this could happen to any airline. It happened to happen to Southwest. Gary Kelly is a remarkable manager. And this is just a tragedy for the family, for the victim. It really is incredible. I will tell you, you do not need to buy more Southwest, but it's not because of what happened in Philadelphia. It's just that you have a big position. The airlines, United report a good number, American report a good number. I think Southwest will do fine. But, you know, if anything, you want to lighten up on the way up because you may have too much of it. Can I go to Gene in California, please? Gene! Dr. Kramer, it's Gene from sunny Los Angeles. How I are you was doing hoping today? it was you, Gene. Thanks for dropping in. What's happening? Well, there's a major shade thrown on one of my stocks, and that's
0: Acacia Communications, ACIA. I bought the stock in the 80s. It's now down to $26 a share. As it turns out, yesterday, the U.S.
1: government banned China's CTE from doing business with the company, and they accounted for 30% of their revenue. So I want to ask you, Dr. Kramer, should I sell here and lose my whole no, bundle? No, you or want just... to let it bounce. I mean, what happened is a lot of people were really taken by surprise about that ZTE and, and how serious the president is and trade people are. And if you, you know, lie to the government as they said that uh, ZTE did, you, you know, you're going to get smacked. And uh, I don't want you to get rid of vacation. I, but if it goes to 30, I would cut it loose. Blake in Virginia. Blake! Hey, Jim. Yo, yo. Booyah. Booyah. Yeah, I was calling in um, to ask you about the ticker symbol VIRT, V-I-R-T. Oh, Virtue. virtue Virtue's financial. real, real good. And I got to tell you, even though it's 52 week late, not like interactive brokers, ah. buy, 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 goes higher. All right, listen to me. It's not just Fang; it's the cloud and cloud adoption all over the world. It's going higher and higher. Oh man, money tonight from Syria to Cohen to Moeller. The worries impacting this market are vast. Tonight I'm going off the charts. I and a group of stocks that, that work here, not just in spite of these worries, but maybe because of them. Then more than a million people signed an online petition to reverse Snapchat's latest redesign. Clearly change is hard, but how will it impact the stock? And looking for positives in the retail space, I'm eyeing the opportunities with a man who knows. So stick with Kramer.
2: Don't miss a second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Kramer on Twitter. Have a question? Tweet Kramer. Hashtag mad tweets. Send Jim an email to madmoney at CNBC.com or give us a call
1: In a confusing and volatile market like this one, where every step forward seems to be followed by, say, a half step back, it's important to identify high-quality sectors that you can circle the wagons around the next time investors freak out about China, about Syria, or about the Mueller investigation, or just a Friday afternoon. And you know what works here, not just in spite of these worries, but perhaps in some cases because of them? The defense contractors. Every time you hear someone fret about escalation in Syria, maybe this turns out to be an open-ended commitment and not just a one-and-done airstrike. Maybe we'll help the Saudis send some troops of their own to to offset the influence of Iran and Russia— That's good news for these arms dealers. Plus, defense is the one area where Congress is willing to spend lots and lots of money. And In an uncertain world, our allies are all the eager to buy American military hardware in order to defend themselves. Just today, we got another reminder that this president regards himself as the arms dealer-in-chief. He's made it a priority to help sell American-made defense equipment overseas. Like personally encouraging the Emir of Kuwait to buy $10 billion worth of fighter jets from Boeing, as this network reported earlier today. Trump's stock. So with that in mind, let's go off the charts with the help of Robert Marino. He's a brilliant technician. He's my colleague at RealMoney.com, paid site for the street, as well as being the publisher of RightViewTrading.com. Get a better sense of where the major defense names might be headed. Now, the Aerospace and Defense Group was on fire last year, setting new high after new high as we came into this January. But like the rest of the market, this sector pulled back and and pulled back pretty hard, starting in February. And since then, the stocks have been basically trading sideways, going nowhere. Where might they be headed? Why don't we start with the big daddy here? Let's start with Boeing, the biggest name in the aerospace and defense group. Remember, in addition to making passenger planes, these guys have huge exposure to military aircraft, rockets, you name it. Now, Boeing had an epic run before the market-wide peak earlier this year. From the beginning of February of 2017 to the end of February 2018, this stock rallied more than 208 Rallied more than 120%. Isn't that incredible? Look at that. What a continuum. But in March, the stock tumbled. Okay, it just came right down. Uh, And it went down, that's 15%, for finding floor of support at its six month uptrend. Okay. Now, when Boeing started bouncing back this month, Moreno points out that if it it ran into a ceiling of resistance at its 50 day moving average, the blue line. More importantly, he thinks the stock has now made a rounding bottom. That's pretty obvious, right? And according to Marino, this kind of pattern can help you predict where it might be headed. You take the height of the rounding bottom and then add it to the ceiling of resistance, and you can get a potential price target in the high 360s. On the other hand, if Boeing breaks down below its floor support around 313, this same pattern, well, it could fall as low as 285, potentially turning the uptrend into a downtrend. However, Marino believes that's uh, there's a good reason to be positive here, not negative. So I want you to check out the Chaikin money flaws with my friend Mark Chaikin at Bar San Miguel on Sunday with my colleague Bob Lang, who up- Okay, the uh, chip, this Okay, take a look at the CMF because it shows you this is an oscillator. It measures the level of buying or selling pressure. This is in positive territory. And Boeing is only a few points away from breaking out to the upside, despite all this fracas about China. If the stock can rally five bucks from here, Mariner thinks the next 25 bucks could be smooth sailing. So watch this, because boom, okay? Next up, take a gander at the daily chart of one of my favorites. It's called Northrop Grumman, another major player in defense stock, makes big ticket military hardware. Northrop Grumman's been behaving better than Boeing of late because it doesn't need really to worry about the potential for a trade war with China to hit any other part of its business. Our government doesn't want these guys doing lots of business with China in the first place. So while Northrop Grumman sold off with everything else in February, it quickly bounced back to new highs. So take a look at that. See, it goes off and then boom, that's really positive. For the last couple of months, though, the stock has been trading sideways between 336 and 359. Now, Moreno's methodology here is to look at the height of the channel, then use that to come up with a projection of where the stock might be headed. On a breakout to the upside, he could see Northrop Grumman going to 383. That's up 28 bucks from where it's trading. On a breakdown, though, it could sink to 312 uh, before finding another floor support. While the chicken money flow is flat here, we got the chicken debt here, okay? Marino wants you to focus on something I had never heard of until he showed me. It's called the Arun Indicator. This is a technical tool that tracks new highs and lows over time to identify early trend changes. In late March, the Arun Indicator made a bullish crossover where the green goes above the red one. And that, think Marino says that, therefore, this stock is ready to rally, which would be a really nice breakout. All right. How about one that's had some problems with his joint strike fighter recently? That's Lockheed Martin. Uh, let's look at the daily chart. This looks uh, very similar to what we saw with Boeing, right? Uh, after a turbocharged rally, Lockheed peaked in February and then sold off hard before forming a round bottom pattern. Lockheed's floor support here is defined by its six-month uptrend line. Its suing resistance is just above the 50-day moving average. Okay, pretty interesting to see that right here. Marino sees the same situation. Some nice upside on a breakout, but meaningful downside if the stock pulls back to its floor support and that floor fails. Checking money flow? Neutral. But it helps that the stock is pushing right up against its ceiling resistance here. If it rallies another dollar, we're going to have a breakout that is looking for. If Lockheed can't break out to the upside, though, he thinks it could uh, just continue to trade downside. Can you imagine this? This is $1 away, a strong opening, and we're there. Next up is the chart of general dynamics, another major defense play. Here's a stock that peaked in early March ever since it's been trending down in a fairly tight channel, at least until today. Last week, General Dynamics fell to the lower end of the channel, but then it bounced right to the high end. Today, it firmly broke out above the high end of the channel. Uh, and, and he really likes what he's seeing here, Marino. The stochastic oscillator, which is a powerful momentum indicator, well, let's see. That one is making a bullish crossover. Uh, and based on today's move, Marino thinks this stock could go back to 230. I had been losing faith in it, uh, in part because of the commercial jet business that it has, but this chart made me think that it's going to be OK. All right, finally, let's talk about the daily chart of Raytheon RTM, which is an especially high-tech defense contractor. As far as miners are concerned, this is the most bullish of the whole group. While the other defense names were selling off along with the rest of the market earlier this year, Raytheon barely batted an eyelash. Look at the February sell-off. It's like nada, OK? Sure, the stock had a small period of consolidation in the month of March. But in the last few days, it has definitively broken through its ceiling of resistance. Just today, it made a brand new high, and Mira thinks the rate down could have a lot more run- room to run because it just broke out above a rising triangle pattern. He could see it rallying to the 245 area. That's up 20 bucks from here before this move runs out of steam. 20 bucks. Meanwhile, the check and money flow is very strong, best of all the meaning big institutions are buying this thing hand over fist. And that's why Marino views this chart as a thing of beauty. This makes a ton of sense to me as Raytheon makes the missile defense system so many countries need to keep themselves safe from missile-launching enemies. It's why we own it from my charitable trust, which you can follow along by joining the ActionLordsPlus.com Plus.com club. Bottom line, in this environment, I think the defense companies have a lot going for them, maybe more than any group of stocks in the entire chart book. And the charts, as interpreted by Bob Marino, suggest that they could have some nice upside here, especially Raytheon. But you also need to be aware of the, event, uh, uh, of the risk here. If something bad happens and they get slammed. However, in each of these cases, Marino thinks the potential upside outweighs the potential downside. I'd be a buyer of pretty much all of them. Much more mad money at Kylie Jenner said it's so sad she doesn't use Snapchat anymore and the company's valuation dropped a billion dollars. I'm giving you my take on what investors should do with a stock that can't seem to keep up with the Kardashians. I think it's my view will surprise you. Man, I'm getting insight into the retail sector and finding out where opportunities could be lurking with a man who knows. And Netflix is up big after surpassing expectations on US subscriber growth. With the stock up 75% in 2018 alone. I'll tell you if there's still time to stream the Content King. So stick with Kramer.
2: Tomorrow, kick off the trading day with Squawk on the Street. Live from Post 9 at the NYSE.
1: But David, it's a different generation. Maybe you're too old.
0: Maybe. Uh, well, if I am, you certainly are. But yes, <laughs> oh, I will I'll admit it. It
2: all starts at 9 a.m. Eastern.
1: On the day when Twitter and Netflix soared higher, when even Facebook seems to be on the road to recovery.
2: bye 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 bye.
1: What the heck are we supposed to do with Snap? the parent of Snapchat. It's now been 13 months since Snap came public, and this thing has been a real dog. (laughs) Snap was simply not ready for prime time. While it soared higher right out of the gate, the stock gave up all those gains when Snap reported its first quarter as a public company. And every time the stock tries to make a comeback like it did a few months ago, something seems to go wrong. And the whole story unravels once again. Snap surged from 14 to 20 in a single session after putting a real good quarter in February. But now it's back at 14 bucks and change, and people have gotten real worried about the lackluster redesign of Snapchat. So was the redesign really terrible enough that Snap deserved to lose almost all of its gains from its stunning most recent quarter? And more important, Is there some level where this stock is actually attractive? First, let me give you some background to explain why the social media play that seems so promising has instead become such a disappointment for investors. (laughs) I've been skeptical of this story from the get-go, frankly. When we ran our Know Your IPO piece on Snap not that long after it came public, I told you the valuation was absurd, and the only way it would be sustainable was if the company could hit $1 billion in revenue for 2017. Snap didn't come close. It generated $825 million last year it's expected to do $1.3 billion this year. Long story short, it's not growing quite so as fast as people had hoped. Snap makes its money from advertising. From the very beginning, I worried about just how effective these ads were. If the platform keeps growing and users are engaged and they are actually clicking on the advertisements, Snap could make a fortune. But without those things, advertisers chose to leave in droves. On top of that, Snap's expenses have been out of control. Investors were astounded when they first saw how much money the company was losing when it began opening its books. Its first reported quarter set the tone last year with Snap losing $2.2 billion. These guys were spending money like a boatload of drunken sailors, or as Joseph Conrad in his seminal novella youth wrote, passed the bottle. Making matters worse, management had real vision problems, as in they didn't seem to have a vision for the company's future. Or at the very least, they weren't very good at communicating that vision to shareholders. My recommendation, Lasix. But when the company reported in early February, it seemed to lay many of these concerns to rest. For the first time in four quarters, Snap beat Wall Street's revenue expectations, and it did so in a grand way across every geographic region where it operates. Even better, the company seemed to rein in its spending, allowing Snap to deliver smaller-than-expected loss for the first time. When you look at their income statement, they beat expectations on every line item. them. It was glorious. Best of all, Snap had some very strong operating metrics, higher than expected daily average users and much higher than expected average revenue per user. And this was true everywhere, everywhere in the world. I've got to tell you something. I finally thought it was there. In fact, I thought...
2: That was easy.
1: The analysts who followed the stock were jubilant. The stock caught five upgrades as people began to figure that maybe this was the inflection point where Snap starts turning things around. Snap managed to surge from $14 to $20 in a single day even though it reported in early February during the worst market-wide correction in years. Remember those dark days? But that momentum didn't last. It's been less than three months, and Snap has already given up nearly all of its post-earnings gains. So what went wrong? Oddly, because typically we don't talk about stuff like this, but it, it was all about a redesign, a redesign of Snapchat. For months, management had been talking about making their core app easier to use. From a user perspective, the major design change was to create a separate Discover feed for vetted publisher stories coming from people you don't know personally. That's to the right of the camera, and everything from your left uh, is your friends, okay? Snap rolled out the new version late last year, and as people have updated, the response, not positive. The main complaint is that the new Snapchat mixes up your stories among your private messages. They used to be two separate feeds. With this kind of thing, it takes time for everybody to upgrade. But there were signs of trouble in January when the company laid off a bunch of engineers and Snap's vice president of product design decided to resign. Uh, whoa, uh, that's not good. Now, uh, the uh, reviews of the new app were terrible. It seems like it's designed, it designed to alienate the very celebrities who use Snapchat to connect with their fans. Maybe not a great idea as people tend to like celebrities. But when Snap reported in early February, everyone seemed to forget these concerns. The numbers were so good that the redesign seemed like small potatoes. And while management acknowledged some rockiness, their tone on the new app was pretty positive. However, it didn't take long for these worries to come back to the fore. More than a million people signed a petition on change.org asking Snap to roll back the redesign. CEO Evan Spiegel kept saying these complaints validate his decision to change the app, which is not a great sign. By February 20th, Citigroup downgraded Snap from neutral to sell, 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 based on all the negative reviews. Snap needs users to sell ads. And if the new design is driving people away, that's going to hurt the numbers. Sure enough, the very next day, reality TV star slash supermodel Kylie Jenner, a cultural icon and major Mensa influencer posted a brutal tweet asking, so does anyone else not open Snap chat anymore? And while she was back uh, to posting on Snap by the end of the week, so much for principled, well-thought-out stance, that's some real bad publicity. Then in mid-March, Snap got on the wrong side of Rihanna, who criticized the company for shaming domestic violence victims by showing an ad that asked users whether they would, and I quote, rather slap Rihanna or punch Chris Brown Talk about tone deaf. Stock was 10% over the next four days. Final blow came a couple of weeks ago when Snap disclosed that it had laid off 7% of its global workforce in March. Mainly engineers and salespeople. Wall Street actually wants Snap to get its expenses under control, but given the context where everyone's up in arms about the redesign, the market took the move as a company born under a bad sign. However, there is a bull case here, and I'm not dismissing you because this stock has come low. don't like people saying, listen, Jim, you didn't like Newell. It was time to buy yesterday. Well, some people are saying it's time to buy now. Last week, Barclays published a note defending the stock as you're now getting that last quarter practically for free, and they believe the numbers will stay strong. Barclays thinks the redesign worries are overblown. People still go into Snap, So there's a petition with less than 2 million signatories and a couple of angry select- But what does that matter to Snap's user base of 190 million people? What's 2 million people versus 190? Plus, Barclays sees advertisers ramping up their spending on Snapchat. I like that. So, where do I come down? I'm actually sympathetic to the bull thesis down here, given how I hated the stocks become. come. I would like it to go to a little lower level, though. Stocks trading at nine times next year's sales estimate. That's what makes me a little bit perturbed, because that's way too expensive to name a stock that, for a stock that's so controversial. Bottom line, Snap does seem to be getting its act together. Look at this. I'm being a little positive here. But the stock is not cheap. I say take a pass for now at least until we know whether the Snapchat redesign will actually hurt them. I think it's a little bit too risky. I prefer to see more panic, more sturm and drang. But then maybe at a certain price, it is time to hit the buy button. Let's go to Alan in Florida. Alan.
2: Booyah to you, Jimmy. Booyah, Alan.
0: I got a question
2: for you about Roku TV. They claim to have the number one operating system for streaming TVs, Every time I look at Amazon best-selling TVs, they literally have the five number top-selling TVs, seven of the top ten. Just did a deal with Sanyo. They claim to have 19,000 subscribers, growing at 44 percent, and a big
1: deal with ESPN. Is this company legit? Yeah, I think Roku is. I know I had my doubts and said uh, be careful, and then it went down, and then it's come right back. And I got to tell you, they're coming up aces. Seems like everything Roku does comes up aces, and I like cards. All right, I hold no filters when it comes to helping you be a better investor. Sure, Snap is getting tagged together, but the stocks are that expensive at nine times sales. So let's wait a bit. Much more man money at who is winning and losing in brick and mortar? I'm talking to a man who makes the call. Then Netflix is flying high today after reporting earnings that saw the streaming service add nearly two million subscribers in the US alone. I'm taking a closer look at the Content King strength and all your calls, rapid fire, in tonight's edition of The Lightning Round. So stick with Kramer. <laughs> Recent month, the retailers have been making a major comeback. It's spotty in some places, but you know who called this? Matthew Boss of J.P. Morgan. He's the best retail analyst on Wall Street. He has a better handle on this sector than anyone else in the business, which is why I'm thrilled to welcome him back to the show right on the heels of J.P. Morgan's excellent annual retail roundup conference. Mr. Boss, welcome back to Mad Money. Good to see you, Matt. Thanks have a for seat. having me
0: back, Jim. All
1: right, man, you have the best panoply. What a conference. Thank you for letting us up there because we had a great time with our pet from Gap. There's some big takeaways, big takeaways that you heard after that day. Please tell us what they are.
0: I'll tell you, the the optimism was in the air, something we really haven't heard in the retail sector for quite some time. Strong underlying consumer, inventories in a great shape, the best shape they've been in years across all subsectors. And you have more fashion on the floor. So there's more innovation. There's more newness across the board, no matter which demographic, Dollar General at the low end, Urban Outfitters and Lululemon and the more aspirational across the board, you're hearing these similar trends and, and it's optimism for the upcoming back to school and for the remainder of the year.
1: Well, we had someone downgrade Dollar General yesterday saying that Walmart's pricing is competitive. When I read your piece, Dollar General's got a lot of big runway.
0: Yeah, we actually upgraded the stock today to a uh, to an overweight rating. I mean, really twofold. Number one, more tailwinds for the low-income consumer, minimum wage increases, employment at a, at a in a much better place than it's been in a long time And secondly the CEO of Dollar General told us, that we have the mo- the competitive environment out there is the most rational that they've seen in years.
1: Okay, so this is important because you mentioned something else I want our viewers to understand. When inventories are low and it's rational, that means that
0: pricing's good. So who's right.
1: making that big money?
0: Yeah, so what you have happen is you have an underlying consumer that's strong right. with leaner inventories on in the stores. So what's happening, you're seeing a lot more full price selling. Urban Outfitters is really taking advantage of this. That's
1: incredible. That's been in a bear market for almost a decade. That's right.
0: right. PVH and the global brands would be you know, Calvin and Tommy. And the third would be Lululemon with full price selling. They're they're your winner in athletic.
1: No CEO. And you told me they were going to have a good run. And boy, that is some fashion. That's right.
0: That's right. And then what I would finally say is on the value side, you're seeing the off-price retailers across the board. They have the fashion. They have the strong brands and they're also offering that value. So Burlington, TJ Maxx and Ross stores all three of them. I think you can own the entire subsector. Burlington's quiet, but they're doing some amazing things since they came Republic, right? Yeah, opportunity to still double their margins from here. Solid productivity. And TJ Maxx, nice global story. Right. Now you have Europe that's starting to kick in with with a margin opportunity there as well.
1: All right, so mixed view on the major department stores, but give us the line and keep in mind Amazon. Tell us where they are versus Amazon.
0: Yeah, you know what's interesting is I think those that have been investing over the last few years, and it's really across the board, so omni-channel capabilities, the ability to buy online, pick up in-store. Amazon's strong. Amazon is going to continue right. to gain market share, but I think you're seeing signs of brick and mortar stabilizing. I think you saw it this fourth quarter. And I think now, as we move forward, you're seeing retailers fight back. And so I think you're seeing more of an equilibrium right. here. I think Nordstrom would be your fashion player yes. and, and hits on a lot of the themes we're talking about. I think you want to own the moderate, middle income consumer. To me, that's Kohl's. And speaking mm. of investments, Macy's has made a heck of a lot of investments on in the last couple of years. And I I think there's a story that's unfolding. Can I have conviction there, the CEO? I think Jeff is in a really solid place, and he's brought on some talent. So the new hire from eBay is a, is a big deal, and I think right. they're really going to hit on some of this omni-channel and and brands and and the and the and the e-commerce versus the brick and mortar.
1: All right, last question: uh, China risk. We know that that uh, President Trump's fighting back. We have a fighting back president. What could it mean for some of your? companies?
0: I mean, this is the wild card to the space. So I, I think you have to look at it twofold. Number one, who has the most exposure from a foreign sourcing perspective? Mm-hmm. I think if you, if you look, it would be the global brands. So the Ralph Lorenz of the world and, and Coach would be your two highest from a direct sourcing okay. perspective. Secondly, on the ground operations. So that would be your Nike and your Tiffany's where if there is retaliation, then I think you need to look at that. And third would be your department stores right. with higher private label. What I will say though, uh, retailers are taking a wait and see approach here. They don't believe that right now apparel and footwear is not in the conversation, and they do believe that pricing power will longer term separate the winners and the losers. Well, these are great stories, and I'd love to hear the optimism, which was, of
1: course, absolutely in sync with what these people are saying. That's Matthew Boss of J.P. Morgan, best retail analyst on Wall Street. What a fabulous conference. I learned a lot. I hope you learned a lot just now. May have money's back in the break. It is time. It's time for the lightning round. And then the lightning round's over. Are you ready? Skate. Got it. Time for the lightning round. I'm going to start with a Mark in Washington. Mark.
0: Looking at uh, installed building products, Jim. What do you think about them?
1: Wow. Hate to start the lighting around with something I do not know. And I heard IBP, I remember I how old am I? Iowa be processing is installed building products. Let me come back on that. Garage doors and rain gutters. I don't know it. Let's go to Mike in New Jersey. Mike, my bike.
2: Hey Jim, how are you? Longtime fan.
1: Oh, terrific. Thank
2: you. What what can you tell me about BGC Partners?
1: Uh, it's you know, Meyer. it does a lot. It's a lot of brokers, a lot of real estate it's got some. Uh but I got to tell you, I mean, we have we're in a market where G, where uh, Goldman Sachs just got slammed on reporting pretty good numbers. So I'm not going to go down the food chain with BGC Partners, John in California. John,
2: uh, boy, Jim out here in Sacramento, you know you're our biggest guy out here. Oh
1: man, I miss those days, old city. How much fun was that? What's going on?
2: Okay, I'm riding out this uh, crazy volatility with Jim Cramer and Warren Buffett. I got Berkshire B. How do you think he's going to weather this with all that money bye, in the bye, 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 bye. The sound
1: makes a thousand words. How about we go to Paul in Massachusetts, Paul?
0: Jim, a big Boston booyah to you.
1: Oh, thank you.
0: <laughs> we just had the Boston Marathon yesterday, and it got me thinking about a stock in my portfolio, Ecolab kicker, ECL.
1: You know, a plain, boring, terrific situation that I want you to hold on to and I'm if it comes down. This is, I mean, I used to just know it as the cleaning and sanitation company. What a fantastic security. Let's go to Lance in Arkansas. Lance. Kramer, what's happening, brother? How about ah, a it's wo- all good. How about you? Booyah from the University of Arkansas, brother? Yes, Razorbacks rock. What's happening? Hey, the charts keep uh, singing go, but uh, the valuation is getting towards uh, price for perfection mode on PTC. Paul, Tango, yes, Charlie, Jim, what are uh, your thoughts? 52-week high today. Uh, underpinnings are strong. Not my cup of tea, but I understand it's in the sweet spot of technology. How about Brian in Texas? Brian! Jim, a texas bull booyah to y'all. Good, good, good. What's going on? Jim, should I hold them or fold them? Given half my substantial position in A Net is at 270 a share and half at 187 a share, please. Well, you know what? I always say no one ever got hurt taking a little bit of profit, but I got to tell you, Jay Yalal is one of the great CEOs of our time, and she is always welcome on the show.
2: Let's go to
1: Frank in New York. Frank.
2: Hello, booyah, Jim. Booyah, Frank, Frank in Syracuse, by way of Brooklyn. Oh, man. Hey, listen,
1: Barstay Miguel will be there soon. What's going on?
2: Well, I have Dr. Pepper, long-term holder, but with the merger, wondering if it's time uh, to take some It is some so profits. hard
1: to understand this merger because they're going to give you a dividend. No one wants a dividend. You're going to have to wait until this deal now closes. That's my best bet, and then I'm going to be probably pushing it pretty hard. But the deal's got to close. The dividend's got to go, and then it'll be okay. I need Buddy in New York. Buddy! For well, yeah, Jim. Thanks for taking my call. Of course. Thank you. My stock is Sterling Construction. Very small, or... municipal building company. Uh, you know what? I'm going to stick with U.S. concrete in that area. I think U.S. concrete has been over overdone on the downside. How about we go to Dan in Wisconsin? Dan. Jim, thanks Dan. for the education over the years there. What do you got? I got B&G Foods here. Um... No, we're going to stay away. This whole food business is just, I mean, uh, yeah, I like ConAgra. But that's really about it. This group is just snake pit. Brian of New York. Brian! Hello, Mr. Kramer. Brian P. NYC here. Thanks for taking my call. Uh, I'm glad you called. What's going on? I appreciate it. I'm also an uh, Action Alert Plus member. Thanks yes. for all you guys. Yes, have had some uh, good calls lately. Thank you for calling in. Uh, your thoughts on Masco Corporation, symbol M-A-S. Oh, I like Masco. I know there's a housing shortage. So people redoing their houses, and you need Masco to be able to do it either way. And that. Ladies and good. how that?
2: The Lightning Round is sponsored by TD Ameritrade.
1: I in the beach house this weekend, and what my daughter regards as her second home, what did we discover? Bought herself a smart TV. And get this, she didn't even bother to reattach the cable. Ouch. I I don't know how to live without cable. You're watching me on cable right now. And yet she, a 23-year-old, doesn't even think about hooking the cable up. Insult to injury. Even if she's not using it, I'm still paying for it. I wouldn't have noticed if my wife hadn't said, hey, don't you wish we could watch Jessica Jones' second season on your big screen TV rather than on your computer, even as my PC has a beautiful screen. Jessica Jones, like so many other Netflix productions, is quirky and not for everyone, which is probably why we like it. So I put the set on, it's a smart TV, and next thing you know, boom, it's one click right on Netflix. We binge on Jessica, fall asleep on the floor watching. Now, my wife is not the least bit interested in mad money or the street or squawking the street, which she doesn't even know exists, or anything else I do with the stock market. Yet, on her way back from down the shore, I decided to bore the heck of her in the Garden State and said, You know what? There's this thing called FANG that I created. You know, like it's an acronym. Uh, Facebook, Amazon, Netflix, and Google. I and mean, she's like, Yeah, <laughs> tell me what. What do you have? What do you have? And I said, Well, at the, I, I, I predicted that Netflix, the N, and FANG would blow away the numbers today. And she said, "Uh, of course, because it's the original content that makes it great. And it doesn't matter what country it's made in. People love it. This is something I've heard from my daughter over and over again. She's a cord never who thinks nothing about watching a program in any language with subtitles. And Netflix makes great programming in 17 different countries. I despise subtitles when I was growing up and simply chose not to watch anything with them because I was raised by wolves. My cord never daughter... Doesn't even know the difference. As we all know, Netflix did indeed blow away the quarter, even as the estimates and price targets went up endlessly in advance of its earnings report. Wall Street just couldn't keep up with the great subscriber numbers. Look, I'm sure there are some people who want to take profits here. I bet it won't. It won't be long before the bears start roving, claiming, you know, wait, come on, it's spending way too much money. It's got to borrow so much valuation. It's ridiculous. The whole thing is a house of cards. It's going to bounce curve down. But man. If you were telling people to sell Netflix on these worries going into today or for any other times in the last 10 years, well, that is to inspire some real soul-searching about what you're doing in the business. People have been fretting about content costs for years. It simply kept you out of a magnificent multi-year rally, single stock risk. Come on. Yes, the bears will point to that absurd. And it is uh, 3 to $4 billion cash burn, but the bulls, they'll suggest that someday – and I think this is realistic. Netflix could have three hundred million subscribers, all paying more than they do now. They'll point to my core never daughter and the millions like her worldwide that we didn't even know existed until Netflix came along. And I think they'll be right. Simple.
0: The iPhone is the best consumer product ever.
2: Every time we raise the value for our shareholder, we raise value for our people.
0: There's something about our stories that really transcends time in so many ways.
2: Mad Money. Invest in what matters.
1: IBM getting hit and hit hard in after hours. Why? The CFO said himself that he's disappointed with the storage numbers. Incredible, because I have to tell you, I don't think there's an area that is hotter in the Internet of Things world than storage. So this is, let's just say, mystifying. Like I said, it's always a bull market, so I promise you I'll find it just for you right here Man Money. I'm Jim Cramer, and I will see you tomorrow.
2: I want people to feel like they just learned something. We have journalists in the far corners of the universe.